This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. The Home Depot has holiday savings of up to 40% on select appliances, like a Whirlpool four-door French door refrigerator for just $15.98. It's perfect for a busy kitchen full of helping hands. That's where its fingerprint-resistant stainless steel finish really shines. Order online and get free delivery. Holiday appliance shopping improved. Up to 40% off select appliances. Now at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Continental U.S. only. While supplies last. Valid through December 2nd. Free delivery on orders $396 or more. Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at MrsMyers.com. Here's the scenario. Your insurance company is denying your long-term disability claim despite the fact that you've paid premiums for years and your own doctor insists that you're not well enough to work. If this sounds familiar, call Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. You'll speak with me, Brian Goldfinger, a licensed and experienced lawyer who practices exclusively on behalf of accident victims, disability claimants, and their families. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. And welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Mel Sampson Folk, and you're joining me after the Raptors' latest win. A win! Yes, moving to 17-8. and eight, They defeat the Brooklyn Nets without Kyrie Irving, without Karis LeVert, 110-102. to But don't let the missing LeVert and missing Irving make you believe that they're a bad team. Spencer Dinwiddie has done a terrific job leading them into the fray. They've been 9-4 and four with those players out. And they, you know, they play good brand of basketball. They get a lot of threes up. Spencer Dinwiddie, great pick and roll attacker. Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, bringing the muscle, bringing a bit of rebounding prowess, a little bit of defensive prowess. So it's not like the Raptors had a cakewalk in this one. They had to come in. They had to play the Nets tight. They had to beat them. And they did just so in this one. It was a really fun game, especially in the first half. The Siakam explosion came out like a man on fire, hitting threes, getting to the bucket, whether it was a straight line drive or whether the Raptors were doing some pretty interesting post-entry plays to get him good position. Just really liked how they were handling the Siakam mismatches that he had because the Nets really didn't seem to have a game plan for it. They didn't seem prepared for what was about to come. They have Torian Prince, who is, you know, a fine defender for the three spot. And fine doesn't mean good. It just means he's, he's a fine defender. And he definitely is not capable of guarding Siakam. But the Nets tried to do Siakam straight up. A lot of times he had Spencer Dinwiddie on them. And they were just trying to shade him towards help defense like Jared Allen. 
or DeAndre Jordan. And Siakam ate that up. He had single coverage for the first time in what seemed like a month. And he really made do with that. He pushed the Raptors out in transition any chance he could. He had an eye for the rim early. And he passed really well off of the extra attention he got once he was getting into the paint. Basically, he fueled the Raptors offense early on. After the Nets, they had, there's a flurry of threes that came in the first five minutes of the game. The Nets were up, I think, 12-2 at one point, and the Raptors got themselves out of that hole with some brilliance from Siakam, some shot-making from Powell, who's continued his three or four-game stint where he's been quite good as a, a scorer off of either the bench or the starting lineup. The Raptors' defense, it definitely buckled down quite a bit after that opening flurry of threes from the Nets. All game, it felt like the Raptors were giving up a bit too many open corner threes, but that's that's been what their defense has kind of bled all year, and they're not going to fix that overnight. But their defense on the inside was really good. Marcus All, fantastic early on, and also deserves love for what he was doing on the offensive end early on. The passing, being a conduit to connect the middle of the floor to the corner, backdoor cuts, everything he, he was doing really well. OG Ananobi was probably the only person, he did hit a three early on, but he had a so-so game as far as offense was concerned and wasn't really able to take advantage of the advantages that were there for him, whether it was taking like a Theo Pinson or David Nawaba off the bounce and taking them into the post and trying to score there, wasn't successful, or just hitting and taking open threes. He only hit one and it was a a so-so game for him and he did get into foul trouble a little bit early on, but that's life. You live and you learn. You you improve from day to day, or at least you try to. And in OG Ananobi's case, you almost definitively do. So not, not too much to worry about there. The second quarter was pretty impressive as far as Lowry goes, because Lowry, for the longest time since 2013, I believe there was the Lowry plus bench units year in, year out. They were always super good. You give Lowry some guys who he can run with that maybe can cause quite a bit of turnovers, which the Raptors defense was fantastic at doing tonight. And Lowry's decision-making and playmaking in the open floor is going to make good things happen. This, at the start of the second quarter, meant that finding Rondé Hollis-Jefferson going up the floor or just keeping it himself, creating some possessions that way, some baskets that way, whether it's defensively or offensively, good things were happening. Kind of a ragtag crew and Lowry, I thought, was the shepherd of that, and it seemed like a great return to form because Lowry plus bench hadn't been super effective so far this year. This seemed like the first outburst of that that we could look at and say, wow, okay, so maybe this isn't a lost piece of Raptors memorabilia. Maybe it's still living in this team and still living in Lowry. So that was cool to see. And after that, Siakam checked back in and still had that fervent desperation to get to the hoop and to take advantage of his of his mismatches and there were a lot of great shots created for the Raptors in those in that time but it ended up and this sounds weird because McCaw did have a really good plus minus tonight McCaw he spent 26 plus minutes on the floor tonight but in that second quarter run it seemed like the Raptors a lot of the great ball movement ended up funneling to McCaw in the corner and he was a complete dud offensively and I know he's a good defender. I think everybody knows this. He dies on screens a little bit, but he is good. He's he's very rapid up top. He's long, and he definitely has the motor for it, but it didn't seem like his defensive output was worth what he was bringing to the Raptors' offense, and it seemed like so many good shots that the Raptors had 
kept funneling to him and he was just throwing up bricks. And you think that if the Raptors had somebody else, anybody else in his position, they might have gone on an even bigger run. And this is a little bit of a hot take, but the Raptors, the way they played this game, you would think that this was a game that they might have won by 15 or 20, not by 8. And I genuinely believe that if they hadn't played McCaw so much, even though he had a positive plus minus, even though he was like plus 11, I think that the Raptors would have won by even more if he had played a significant amount of minutes less. That's It was an interesting night as far as rotations for Nick Nurse because Hollis Jefferson had kind of a tough night. I mean, he was playing the team that he played for last year, the Nets. He really wanted to get after it. He only played seven minutes in this one. And Nurse, I think, realized that the way to go was with the, the bigger lineup with Ibaka and Gasol playing a bit of overlap minutes and trying to really take advantage of the Nets not being a super big team. Ibaka came in. He really, really ate the Nets for lunch. He brought a terrific amount of muscle and hard work to that position. He killed the Nets on the glass. He got after it, and it was it was really nice to see. It was a return to form for him in that way, but that also did mean that if they were going to play together, there wasn't as much room for Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and Hollis-Jefferson, who has made his year this year by beating bigger guys off the bounce and being able to sneak in off the weak side when bigger guys kind of go for the help side. That wasn't really happening in this one, so his his time on the floor was less of him being able to exploit the type of plays that he's usually able to, so he didn't get as much time tonight. Terrence Davis also didn't really hit his shots and he kept getting caught on his last step when he was going into the paint. So he's picking up his dribble. He's going downhill. And for a lot of players, their whole career, you pick up your dribble, you're going downhill, whether it's high school, college. You're usually able to finish over most of the guys waiting for you there. In the NBA, it becomes much different. Terrence Davis experiencing that and just have to figure out the pacing and how he's going to attack the rim, something that Norm Powell has gotten much better at this year. And over the last year and a half a bit, I wrote about this. He's changing up his steps. He's not being as gratuitous with his big two-step lead-up when he's going in for a layup. These are things Terrence Davis needs to work on and maybe a bit of the reason why he got blocked three times tonight and he just had trouble navigating the inside of the net's paint. And Spencer Dinwiddie had a really great um, finish to the half. He helped lead the Nets back to within five points. And the Raptors, that was a little bit of a disappointing end to the half because, like I said earlier, it looked as though the Raptors should have already started to pull away. They were getting terrific shots offensively. They hit nine threes or eight threes in the first quarter, which was fantastic, and they shot a really good percentage on them. But when guys like Patrick McCarr shooting 0-5 from three on the night, I think Terrence Davis was 0-3 as well. Just a lot of your shots start going to guys who aren't Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi or Kyle Lowry or Marcus All. And suddenly, you know, the three-point percentage is definitely going to take a dip, especially with Terrence Davis experiencing a bit of regression in that area and Patrick McCaw never showing any promise as a three-point shooter. So the ball being funneled to him definitely slowed up the Raptors. And Spencer Dinwiddie, he played terrific pick-and-roll basketball all throughout the first half. He was creating so many good looks for the Nets. And he was creating good looks for himself when he could get going downhill, put his defender in jail, create two-on-one situations, and finish at the rim. He's a big 6'5 guard who's athletic, who can finish with both hands. So he was able to get to the rim 
at will towards the end of the second half and bring things closer in for the Nets. In the second half, really, the third quarter mostly I thought was Kyle Lowry's quarter. It was kind of the the grift games. And Norm Powell was also really good in that third quarter, I thought. Siakam had slowed down a little bit. He did most of his scoring in the first, second, and fourth quarters. And Marcus Hall as well in the third quarter. But those guys, the offense had slowed down. The three-point shooting had hit a wall, a significant wall, after the first quarter. And so things weren't going as smoothly. The breakdowns, just because of the Nets, you know, they're a team that throws the zone at other teams the same way that the Raptors do. It's definitely, it's a bit vexing to be attacking man defense, man defense for a lot of the game. Then to have a zone thrown at you, a lot of teams, you know, zones aren't the best defense to play in the NBA, but teams have to adjust to it. So you have to go back and forth between a few possessions. The Raptors ran into that. So the ball ended up going to Kyle Lowry, who his big, beautiful basketball brain had to figure out how to attack the Nets and how to keep the offense chugging along. I thought he did a fantastic job of manufacturing points and creating good looks for his teammates, even though the Nets were throwing a bunch of different looks at the Raptors. And he really sustained the Raptors' offense through that third quarter. And the fourth quarter, honestly, just seemed like it was a return to the first quarter a bit with Siakam and Powell dominating a lot of the offense. The Raptors really causing a lot of turnovers, being able to return to that team that gets a lot of run-out opportunities, that kills it in transition. And they definitely they were able to do that. Siakam played a huge role tonight in not only getting his hands on balls to get steals and drive the Raptors forward in that way, but also playing a really important role as a help side defender and keeping the Nets away from the rim, which meant that if the Nets are playing farther away from the rim, they have to pass more around the arc. The Raptors are really, really aggressive in that way. They recover really well, so they get to gamble. Not only that, but they're shooting from farther away, which means longer rebounds. The Raptors can get pseudo-transition more often. Siakam was eating in that place. Lowry, a great job of locating balls, a great job of digging in on big men and trying to get loose balls that way. The Raptors really propelled and fueled their offense with their their defense that was doing a really good job of sticking in and making sure that the Nets didn't get to run a lot of the actions they wanted to. It was it was really fantastic work and a lot of those plays in the fourth quarter were capped off by either Powell or Siakam and it was it was a fun game. And honestly, in between all that you had so much work being done by Marcus All and Serge Ibaka on the glass and in the paint offensively. This was their first game, I believe since being teammates, that they were able to both get double-doubles, which is a lot more rare than you would think, because Marcus All is a huge guy. Ibaka is obviously a tenacious rebounder, especially on the offensive glass. So it's, it's a bit surprising that that's the first time they've been able to link double-doubles together, but also Pascal Siakam had a double-double. So I'll, I'll just read their statistics here. So Surge, 12 points, 12 rebounds, 2 steals, 2 blocks, huge. Pascal, three steals, three blocks, five assists, 10 rebounds, 30 points. Mark, 17 points, 15 rebounds, two assists, one steal, two blocks. Basically, and three threes from Pascal, three threes from Mark. Just outrageous production. And the Raptors, really lucky to have such an, a robust front court in this game. And that was clearly where the advantage was in this one. And the Raptors really made the Nets pay for it. And that was that was probably the most fun part of this game to watch. I know Norm Powell 
really punchy offensive player coming off the weak side, hitting his spot up threes, really attacking in straight lines from the either the left baseline or the right baseline, sometimes in transition. Really fun to watch him get going. But the Raptors front court was the uh, the marquee, I think, in this game, and that was that was really fun to watch. And by the end of it, the Raptors won by eight. Had a bit of garbage time at the end. Shimori Pons, O'Shea Brissett got in the the double trouble where they played with the 905 earlier today and now played with the the big club. So that's cool. Um, I believe it was Jack who said it was like a summer league, and he said that fondly. They also had a really good back and forth in, I think, the first or second quarter where they're talking about air ducts and having them cleaned. I guess that's a hot-button issue in Toronto because the Twitter timeline also seemed to identify with a lot of that. So I'm not sure what the Torontonians have going on as far as air ducts, whether they're in dire need of cleaning or if there's a, um, a big scam going on about it. I'm not super sure, but that appears to be, you know... A cultural uh, hotbed of influence, apparently. But the uh, the Reggie Evans Award, I, I really want to give it to Norm Powell just because he hasn't gotten in past games. This game was like the totality of everything that he's been able to bring over the past few games in Fred Van Vliet's um, absence. And since he entered the starting lineup, he's been such a boon as far as shot making has gone. And even though the Raptors haven't had a super good record, since that's happened, it's still so nice to see him capture some consistency in his game. And he really was tireless in his off-ball movement, his willingness to get to the rim, and he was always there, running out in transition, always pairing up with one of Siakam or Lowry. And it, it takes a lot to always be running in transition. I'm sure anybody who plays basketball knows it's hard to always get up the floor, especially when you're starting behind the ball. So Norm Powell, Reggie Evans Award, well done for that. The top quick reaction comment is um, at my expense, it seems. I did the quick reaction grades tonight from Rye, that's R-Y-E, says B- minus for Macaw, and a lot of laughing, and then everyone please stop saying he's a good defender. He is not. I disagree. I think he is a good defender with holes in his defending, as I said earlier in this podcast. He does die on screens, but his length... And his quickness is definitely something that is hard to deal with as a defender. He's pretty intimidating against guards, especially guards who rely on their dribble above the uh, the break. And so that's there's some of the good things he's at on defense. But like I said, I thought that the Raptors succeeded in spite of him. And I gave him a B- because he was on the floor for so much of the winning. And my eye test says that, you know, the Raptors were succeeding in spite of him, but he also was like a plus 11 with 28 minutes on the floor. And also, you know, there's so many players in the game. The The grades, I'm, I'm continuously shocked that people care so much about the grades. The write-up is always so much more important than the grades. And to actually go and grade every player after every game and expect everyone to be happy with every single grade is ludicrous. There's so many different people who see the game so many different ways. And yeah, the the grades have always just been cannon fodder for commenters to come and make fun of. But you know, it's, it's definitely a tool for engagement. So that's a, <laughs> a thing that happens. I certainly... You know, the, I when I'm doing the grades, I the write-up is always more important than the grade that's given. 
and I just, as a writer, I write what I see from them, but it seems very um, difficult and a little bit backwards to just say, okay, uh, Patrick McCaw had a B minus to give them this school grade. It just, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it is what we do at Raptors Republic. People seem to like it, but yeah, B minus for McCaw, you, if you want to disagree with that, that is also, uh, that that's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. I definitely B minus could be could be too much. Some people might even think that it's not enough. It's it really depends on who's reading it. But B minus, I thought I was like, you know what? He was on the floor for a lot of minutes in a win. I don't know how he can get lower than a B minus. It's almost a C, you know. So I was like, all right, let's just let's put this here. Also, what is the difference between a B minus and a C plus? I always got numbered grades. I never got lettered grades in school. So if anyone wants to respond to me and tell me what that is, feel free. But other than that, that's that's the end of this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you saw the game, I hope you enjoyed it as well. And if you didn't, but you're catching up via me, thank you for listening, and I hope I accurately depicted everything for you whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night have a blessed day and goodbye support for this episode is brought to you by mrs myers a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day at mrs myers everything we make is inspired by the garden with plant-derived ingredients our cleaning products work like the dickens leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at MrsMyers.com. When you're a pro, your reputation is built and proven over time. That's why the Home Depot carries Loctite PL Premium Max construction adhesive, the strongest on the market. It stays 100% solid after curing. It won't develop air pockets. And like your reputation, it holds up over time. Right now, get 12 or more for the bulk price of only $8.53 each. Loctite PL Premium Max at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only.